This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Ben Yurevsky, the CEO of DigitalOcean. What did you guys think of this one? This was really cool. It's, it's interesting to hear how um, they've maintained culture and communication when growing from 40 to 120 in less than a year, um, which is just insane. Um, and it, w- it was really cool to hear his perspective on some of the things that worked and some of the things that didn't uh, through that growth. Um, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, and over time, they were able to take things that weren't working and figure out ways to make them better and build a stronger culture and a happier team. 
Um, they've also been able to go after developers on the customer side and make them incredibly happy and use that as a growth engine. So great episode, lots of learnings in here. Let's get into it. Wistia is a video hosting platform built specifically for business. If you're using video as a part of your marketing strategy, you need to be able to measure its impact. Wistia is helping over 175,000 businesses do just that with premium video hosting, lead generation tools, and in-depth video analytics. For more about Wistia, visit wistia.com forward slash rocketship. Ben, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a bit about what DigitalOcean does? Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to be here. So DigitalOcean's mission is to simplify cloud infrastructure for developers. And as we look out at the world today, there are more and more software-defined companies that are coming out. Uh, everything from mobile services to uh, applications, sites, social networks, ad networks, and the like uh, that are being started by developers. Uh, 20 million people worldwide who consider themselves uh, to be a dev at this point, probably going to uh, 30 million by the end of the decade. So a, a huge explosion in, in software. You know, Mark Andreessen's point that software is eating the world. Well, developers are creating this software, and our yeah, our our mission is to enable them to build uh, amazing applications and to stop worrying about cloud and, and server infrastructure. And in order to do that, you guys have to scale to meet this growing demand. And you uh, you had mentioned that in 2014 you grew from 30 employees to 120. What's it been like scaling everything up at that pace? Yeah, it was extremely difficult. Uh, not only do you need to scale the, the people side of the organization, but you need to scale the physical infrastructure and, and the software to, to match demand. Um, but really, it, it all starts with, with people. And sometimes a, a good plan is, is necessary to ensure that you're, you don't find yourself flat-footed. Uh, when we started 2014 with roughly 30 employees in the company, we had not projected headcount as well as we could have. And so, you know, best practice says that you don't want to grow a specific team or a company more than 2x inside of a 12-month period. And we grew 4x. In, in hindsight, I think that explained a lot of the growing pains that we went through. And uh, those, those lessons are, are actually just very crucial to to success for individual product teams, for organizations and, and companies as a whole. Um, the biggest underlying factors, in my opinion, are uh, communication, making sure people understand what's happening, and a shared vision for where they're going. What were some of those pains that you hit that maybe you weren't ready for? Um, you know, one of the things that we did uh, successfully, but also did create some some friction, is that we built a lot of our teams bottom up. Um, and so, as you you know hire support um, reps or as you hire engineers, um, if, if you don't have clear leadership in in those departments, people can come in and feel like they hit the ground running. But over the course of a couple of months, um, they might lose direction or not really understand how business goals translate directly to what they're working on. And so we've seen that as, as a, you know, an, another very important factor is 
either you need to have a highly collaborative team that is able to self-direct or you need the right leadership in the uh, in the organization to ensure that everyone is moving um, in sync. And and really that that extends all the way up to the CEO as well. If if as as you know as the executive that kind of manages the entire business, if you're not setting the right setting up the right leadership team, that that problem further cascades into each of the individual groups. Um, and so. What we did is we had a quarterly planning process, but what we found out is that it actually created a lot of silos inside of the organization. And what we had not done is actually sit down and plan more for a 12-month or like an annual planning process to make sure that we can align the entire business in in a single direction and then uh, trust and enable everyone to, to execute within their own responsibilities. So how did you kind of manage the communication? Um, yeah, even communication at 40 is tough. Um, but when you rapidly grow, there's a lot of breakdown. Is there anything that you guys did to keep the team moving kind of in line and keep everyone on the same page? Yeah, I mean, we caught up to that issue, uh, I think, a little late. But at the start of this year, uh, once we had grown past 100 people, we started doing a, a bi-weekly all-hands. And I think that has been really instrumental in making sure that we're all thinking about the business in the same way. And we have a, a nice format for, for the all-hands meeting. So typically, it lasts about an hour. Um, the first 20 minutes, I, I give an update on, on the business, any major product releases or developments that have happened, welcome any key new employees into the organization to provide kind of a general perspective on what's happening. Um, every now and again, I'll invite uh, a team to present what they're working on. So sometimes it'll be engineering or community, customer success, support, uh, and allow them to give a, a general update to the entire company. Um, the, the second part of our uh, all hands is a ask me anything section. So we've actually used some, some nice tools. First, we started off with uh, Google Moderator, but it was unfortunately shut down. And, and we, in response, have built our own tool to allow people to anonymously uh, submit questions. And uh, that goes to one of our core values around transparency. It's been really the questions that started coming up when we first kicked off the all hands were really, really tough. You know, how do you deal with underperformers? Uh, what happened in the last board meeting? Just, you know, really digs in deep. But if, if, you're, if you're honest and open and vulnerable in those conversations, you can get a lot of buy-in and credibility uh, with the organization. And then the last part that we do is something that's called uh, do appreciation for like DigitalOcean appreciation. So we set up like a really simple Google Forms and allow anyone in the company to thank someone else. And usually we get about uh, maybe 10 submissions over the course of the two weeks and we pass those out and, and people read these kind of really endearing thank you notes to, uh, to peers and colleagues. And so you end on a really high note. And typically we do these on a, on a Friday late afternoon. So you might grab a beer or just you know, hang out with the, with the entire company once the event is over. But that, that was a, a really nice way to bring the entire organization together and give them a sense. And in that, 
opening, uh, you know, first part, you have the opportunity to start aligning the business around objectives or goals or many, maybe any of the key priorities that happen to come up. How do you do that with um, the portion that is remote? Yeah, so we use uh, blue jeans. It's not uh, ideal, but it does support a tremendous amount of people dialing in. So we literally have absolutely everyone connect. Um, we we pass a microphone around, and forty uh, percent of our company is is remote, and we're always very conscious of ensuring that the culture we're building is very inclusive of our distributed team. Um, but yeah, at this point in time, everyone connects via blue jeans and is, and is able to participate, um, you know, directly. So as you guys hone in this internal culture, how do you, you know, a big part of your job is going out and bringing in new employees. How do you attract those people? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's some of our best employees are, are actually customers first. Um, so that, that's always a great leading indicator for, for success. Um, I think we have a, a really complex problem that we're trying to solve, which is how do you build scale-out infrastructure um, that hundreds of thousands of, of people will use, and, and hopefully in the near future, but it'll be millions. Um, we decided to write our own software stack, so we're not using kind of the industry standard tool from Rackspace, which is OpenStack. Um, we understood pretty early on that in order to deliver the unique experience that we wanted, we would need to write the software from, from the ground up. Um, and I think that's a really exciting opportunity for a lot of people. And when you couple it with the, the massive physical infrastructure that we've built to date, you know, north of uh, tens of thousands of uh, physical machines that are running, uh, you know, millions of virtual machines, it, it becomes a really exciting opportunity for, for an engineer or even uh, someone on the community side to come in and, and be able to touch so, so, so many different pieces. Um, our community team, for example, is about 10, um, 10 technical writers, and you know, they've published 1,200 tutorials to date, drawing in 4 million uniques per, per month. Um, and so I think what this really speaks to is that not only do we have a complex technology problem at the heart of the business, but we also have the scale um, that, that is really exciting for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, the fact that we have nearly ha over half a million customers at this point in time gives us a really wide reach into exactly the type of uh, community where we find the best employees. So, you know, if you're interested in technology, if you're interested in open source, uh, we have a really big presence in that space. And, and that has that has really helped. Plus, you know, our, our PR presence, I think, has been really good, uh, primarily based on the fact that the product itself is, is so unique in, in the space. And, you know, every time that TechCrunch does a, a post or uh, one of these other major publications, we're able to spread our message much further and wider. Um, so that, that has all been instrumental in, in attracting the right talent to the business. What's the most interesting way that someone has gotten your attention um, to, to, you know, for a, a position? Um, you could say that, you know, they emailed me directly almost from like a competitor and they basically said, 
I think the company that I'm at today really sucks. I have deep, uh, you know, experience and insight into what works and what doesn't at this business. And I love DigitalOcean. So <laughs> I, I want to come in as the director and build out this function in your organization, having learned everything, you know, at, at your competitor. And wow. uh, that we ultimately uh, signed that person and they've, they've turned out to be just, you know, a, a rock star and is now the, uh, the director of customer success at DO. Wow. So kind of going off of that, um, do you guys, um, you guys are, are kind of the, the number two, right? Amazon's number one in the space. Um, do you play with that internally as, as kind of like a David and Goliath or, or any kind of competition there? No, we actually take the almost exact opposite approach. We, we like to say that we have no competitors. I mean, obviously, that's a little bit of a fib. At the end of the day, we all provision infrastructure and sell that commodity resource. But what I mean is no one else puts product first like we do. No one else is really focused on the developer, um, nor do they really value simplicity in the same way. Um, and it's that simplicity where you know the resources and tools become blunt and ineffective. It's more about bringing elegance, intuitiveness, predictability, reliability um, all, all together. So, and and this actually creates, I think, the interesting conversation for a lot of people is rather than trying to equate and say, "Hey, we're we're going against AWS," and you know, it's the David versus Goliath challenge. It's really about being laser focused on what our mission is and why the business was started in the first place. So in some ways, it's a, it's a very contrarian view to how, how to position a company. And I think that's led to our success both on the, the product market side, but also in terms of being able to have these conversations and people get what DigitalOcean is about in a, in a very unique way. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, how do you guys look at culture internally? And, and what does like a successful culture look like for you? Yeah, it's it's definitely you know evolved a bit over over the years. Um, my brother and uh, chief product officer really was the cultural force in the early days of of, of the business. Um, he takes a, a a very empathetic people first approach um, to to the work that he does, and so some of the core values we had day one were around love and, you know, put that into action. You can say, you know, love the work that you do, um, love the product that you build and, you know, our users and our customers in turn will love, um, what, what we've built. And, you know, it also extends to kind of loving the people in the organization and, you know, it's, it's hard. You're not going to love every single person that you work with. So a second core value that we have is, is around a community that, that we're building. And this is, this is both internal in terms of the business and the way that we're shaping it, but it's also external. It's that wider developer community worldwide where, where we want to be a platform where people can interact and engage with each other. That speaks to all the tutorials and the, uh, the, the social presence that we have. It's really you know, providing an educational platform, having people help each other out, um, you know, we think of ourselves very much as a learning organization 
Um, there aren't many companies out there that look like DigitalOcean, so it's hard, it's hard for us in some regards to hire subject matter experts. So we're all in this for the first time, learning um, on the way. And um, the, the third value, so we have love, uh, community, and of course, how, how could I forget? In some ways, it's our first value uh, around simplicity. Uh, and, and that means you know, internally that we're building processes that are very lightweight, that make your job easier um, and, and nothing larger than that. It's in the way that we think about the engineering architecture that, that we build, making sure to keep it simple so that it's maintainable and manageable for us, but that also our, our users understand what's going on. Um, and ultimately it's, you know, are you having an easy time? Is it, is it predictable? Is it intuitive? And as long as it meets those factors, then most likely the process is simple. People just figure it out on their own. Um, so those were some of the foundational um, values that we used. Uh, but the problem is <clears throat> we kind of wrote them down on a piece of paper or wrote them down on the wall and we would very sparingly re- refer to them in our you know, week-to-week and month-to-month interactions. Um, I think in order to really have these values pop and, and come to life, you need to incorporate it in as many different ways as you can into the business. So one of the things that we've done in the uh, appreciation segment in the all hands is we allow people to highlight, hey, which value is this person expressing the most? Um, you can include it in your feedback and kind of like performance evaluation conversations, right? Um, and, and, and we've also grown the values a bit over time as the business has grown. So today we also have uh, honesty and transparency. Um, I think those are, are very important. One part, it's kind of like in New York, people are very direct. You know, there's no time for, for BS. And you need to be respectful in delivering those, those difficult communications. But we're not going to sweep things under the rug. We're going to call it for what it is. And at times, you know, that, that creates a really interesting um, dynamic for, for a leader. You need to be vulnerable. You need to admit mistakes. And, and that's part of the culture of transparency is saying, hey, you know, we got this wrong. And transparency isn't necessarily about, hey, let's publish everyone's compensation and, and equity. Um, it's really more around sharing the decision-making process and making sure that people understand how the business and, and why the decision is made. You might not necessarily agree with it, but at least you understand why the business is choosing that to, to, to move ahead. So when did you guys... What was your headcount when you kind of formed these values and got everybody around uh, focusing yeah. on them? Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> that's the interesting thing is we we had our values at probably less than 10 people. Uh, but as I said, they were kind of just written down because we believe in we definitely need a vision for the business. We need a strong mission statement. We need uh, values. So we went through those exercises and, and we built that stuff out, but we didn't realize the communication part. And so we didn't really enforce it in our interview process. We didn't communicate it to the business. Uh, we didn't find those, those interactions around reviews and things of that sort that could really help to bring those values to life. And in some ways, we, you know, what happened is the operations of the business were moving so quickly and the company was scaling so rapidly. That's where we concentrated our, our energy. And it was only past the hundred employees that we realized, Oh wow, 
we've really slipped up on some of these values, you know, and we had, we had some cultural issues uh, due to that growth and not being able to maintain performance and, and dealing with a tremendous amount of technical debt and trying to find funding and, and growing the business that you kind of take your eye off of some of these more aspirational things in nature. Um, but I'm really glad that we have this foundation to come back to. Uh, and so it didn't feel foreign to people. It was just like, Oh, okay. Now we're finally bringing it to the forefront. Um, and, and also, I think one of the things that really enabled us to, to get this right is we hired a VP of people that's focused on uh, organizational development and, and talent progression, and you know, really supporting the, the co-founding and the C-level team in, in making sure that we're delivering those messages to the organization in a in a in a healthy and consistent way. Yeah, I mean, it can be. I think really crippling for an early stage founder to know that they have to think through these values and organize the company around them that they're going to build. Um, it can feel crippling to feel like you have to decide everything up front and like maybe you can't change it later because who knows what that's going to do to your team. Um, so it's good to hear that you guys formulated that over time and some stuff worked, some stuff didn't, but you were able to get everyone on the same page and, and chuck forward. Yeah. I mean, we formulated really early, but we didn't actually use it in practice. So try to figure out ways to tie your values into, into uh, you know, your, your, your work on an ongoing basis, whether it's part of your one-on-ones or, or feedback, whether it's addressing the values on an ongoing basis and in all hands, uh, tying it into some of your email communication or, um, you know, onboarding process. Uh, all of those things help to make sure that people are thinking about the company in the same way. So you've mentioned before that you guys have taken um, the path of building for the developer and not necessarily for the enterprise. And it's a similar model to what Slack has done and uh, Yammer, where you get a few employees using it and hope that it's going to grow within the company. Has that worked out for you guys? And have you been able to reach larger customers without going after them via sales? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't get to number two uh, w- without finding that that fit. I, I think what we're seeing is that uh, you know the developer is is so much more powerful today. They're making decisions around infrastructure choices, uh, the tools that they use. They really help shape the business that they're a part of. Um, and you know, the developer segment is is much larger today than it was, let's say, even. Um, ten, 10 years ago. So some companies, you know, reach this kind of plateau in their development where they start off as a developer focused business and over time saturate this market and ultimately need to make a transition into the enterprise. Um, we, we don't see any signs of that happening. And I really hope that even over the, you know, 10 year progression for DigitalOcean that we never need to shift our message into the enterprise. Instead, if we focus on on the developer and their needs and enable them to come together in terms of teams, we think that we can even begin to appeal to, to larger organizations. But ultimately, it's this emotional connection that we make with our users that allows us to succeed. And, and that's why I think marketing or, or, or marketing or targeting towards the enterprise would be ineffective for the way that we built our business. And the best part about it is, you know, even looking back at DigitalOcean right now, 160 employees, tens of thousands of physical servers, you know, over a hundred million dollars in, in, in equity raised. 
you know, by some standards, you might consider us an enterprise organization. So, you know, that word enterprise kind of loses its meaning over time. And really, I think, you know, we're very much a developer-centric, developer-focused business. And that's exactly the type of customer that we want to attract. So our larger users are... Are, are deploying and running, you know, thousands of droplets on, on our cloud. And really, as we ship additional products to market, we would love to see tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of droplets running inside of customer accounts. Well, this has been great to hear about your guys' story. Uh, it sounds like you're building something really special. Uh, let, could you let everybody know where they can keep up with you and DigitalOcean online? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have DigitalOcean on Twitter, uh, we have uh, a nice shortener, do.co slash community is a great starting point to dive into the tutorials and uh, information. And, uh, you know, we're at events worldwide, so just keep an eye out for that nice blue logo. Or, or Sammy the Shark, our mascot. Nice. And we're, we're actually DigitalOcean users, too. The rocket ship site is hosted on your servers. And also for anyone listening, if you want to learn about the content uh, growth strategy that they used with that content team. You can look back about a month and see Mitch Wainer's episode. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today.
sun rays What's left to do To feel it all You're alive now to die is dust Nothing less or something more Something more Something more 